I'm Jason. I'm Scott. Welcome to Skip Don Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the song Sparrow by Marvin Gaye off his 1978 album, Here, My Dear. I used to hear a sparrow singing, baby. Oh, but one day as I went along, I didn't hear a song. But I know sparrow should sing. Welcome back to Skip Don Shuffle. Um, Super exciting episode to talk about today, Marvin Gaye. Uh, obviously, you know, you say that you say the name Marvin Gaye. Lots of people know Marvin Gaye. He's had so many hits. He's a legendary singer songwriter. Uh, you know, iconic uh, member of the original Motown team. You know, really, just everyone knows Marvin Gaye. But I would be surprised if many people actually knew his story, which is crazy. I mean, this guy's life totally nuts. Like the 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 his ascension from you know. He's basically like a traditional, like Rad's Carisha story, like started off extremely poor and then got super famous and super rich or whatever. But the little things that happened in that arc, totally nuts. Unlike anybody else's life, I think. Yeah. And for somebody who um, got to a point of writing really personal music, um, seemingly doesn't touch on a lot of the kind of specific tragedies and and things that have happened to him um, with pretty much the sole exception of the album that we're going to talk about today, Here My Dear, where um, he really delves into specifics of um, basically a, a failed relationship. Yeah, and, and, and you know, obviously uh, there are plenty of artists out there that have recorded lots and lots of breakup albums and lots of breakup songs, and, um, you know, chances are everybody listening to this has a, has a breakup song that they think about when they think about, like, a relationship that ended or whatever. Um, but this is unlike any of those songs. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is something else. Yeah, usually when you listen to a song, you might be able to figure out, you know, if it's someone famous, you know, like a, a Taylor Swift breakup song, you might be able to, like, oh, I think they're talking about, you know, this person. Um, but usually a lot of people try to keep it general. Maybe there's a, a few specifics in there. I think it's something like Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Where, but, but there's still a lot of mystery as to who specifically she's talking about. Or, you know, I, I think the rumor has it that it might be a couple of different different people that she pulls together in that one song. Um, but this one is clearly no I mean, I mean naming <laughs> you know naming naming the person naming specifics of um th- their relationship and and what's going on and being very blunt about how he feels about it i mean there's not a lot of breakup songs where th- there's a song where um you complain about paying attorney fees <laughs> 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 I, I i mean this yeah this album gets gets pretty raw and, and pretty personal about the things you see anything you want to say just sing it on out now, sing it on out. Let the world know what life's all about. Sing, little sparrow, sing. Sing, little sparrow, sing. Oh, sing, little sparrow, won't you sing for me? So Marvin Gaye was born in 1939. Um, He's growing up in a house where his father is a, a minister and a very strict disciplinarian guy, um, takes out a lot of what we assume is anger and frustration, all kinds of things on Marvin. Um, he has other brothers and sisters that corroborate the story, and I think they also had a, a pretty rough time as well. Um, but that relationship with um, 
that that tenuous relationship with his father is going to be important throughout kind of Mar- Marvin's life, um, as we'll certainly get to. Um, so he grows up. Um, he, he's poor, rough neighborhood in um, Washington, D.C. Um, family basically doesn't have much. Uh, because of his father, Marvin is, is pretty devoutly church going um and that's really where he gets his musical start is uh, singing in church um so continues that through his early life and becomes a part of the incredibly famous motown records um pretty early in his career and his or pretty early in his life in his teenage years and that really starts his career so he starts off at motown records in the 60s when motown was rising to to prominence um He's uh, kind of a, a sessions guy where as they're making records and doing recordings, he's kind of stepping in, doing some vocals, but he's not really a, a central talent yet. Um, it's not really until the early, uh, like 1962, um, where he records his, what would be his second album, um, that he really has a breakthrough hit. And that song um, and album is called Stubborn Kind of Fellow. So that song really starts to kick off his career as um, a, a, an artist, um, even though he's kind of at the will of Motown Records, um, which was founded by Barry Gordy. It's also this time um, that he meets Anna Gordy, who is Barry Gordy's sister. Um, she's much older than Marvin, and I think about like 17 years older than him. Um, Marvin and Anna start to develop a relationship, and this that song, Stubborn Kind of Fellow, is actually um, about their relationship. Um, which again, keep in mind because that's going to be important when we get to to hear my dear. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of threads here that you're going to have to sort of remember. So yeah, I mean, essentially, Marvin has a terrible relationship with his father, and early on in his career, he meets Anna Gordy, and they have this this relationship that starts, and he's writing songs about her, and they're having this relationship. Um, and we should also mention just 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 as an aside here, um, for people who don't know, like Motown was at at this time like becoming like a hit factory, like that was like what they. Based basically referred to it as it was like we're churning out radio hits that fit a very specific mold do a very specific thing usually with mostly black artists and like appealing to a certain type of demographic and Marvin's kind of like for 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 he's brought into that and I'm sure at the time he was like this is great this is awesome but then later on he's going to discover that things are going to get much more limiting because Motown has a very specific drive which is to create radio friendly hits and that's it so he's, I mean, so he's a part of this machine and basically making hits and money hand over fist for them. Um, so this, you know, just keeps going. So, um, I mean, you're, you, if you throw on any of the, the Marvin Gaye Motown era, you're going to know at least like a, a dozen songs, probably more. Um, a big hit being in 1965, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. Shelter 
So also at this time, Motown Records is um, putting out a lot of duets and combining artists in different ways, um, again, to appeal to, you know, all kinds of different audiences. Um, so it's around this time that Marvin starts to duet a lot with um, different singers, um, probably the most famous being uh, Tammy Terrell. Um, they recorded um, Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing um, and 1967's Ain't No Mountain High Enough. So in this time of recording all these hits, um, Marvin Gaye is also touring. Um, it's during this time that his singing partner, uh, Tammy Terrell, um, she collapses on stage. She ends up being diagnosed with um, a brain tumor. And this is kind of a, a devastating thing that that happens to, to Marvin. Um, but he keeps on going with his uh, career. And in 1968, he has his first number one hit, which is I Heard It Through the Grapevine. He has this super huge hit, um, finally kind of making it out on his own, but he doesn't feel like he deserves the success because he basically feels like I'm just doing what the record company tells me to do. Like he is part of, um, you know, has a hand in songwriting, but doesn't really have much control beyond that. It's basically, you know, here are the songs you're going to be singing. You know, he might have co-written some of them or, or have some, a little bit of, creative control with the writing, but he basically feels like very stifled. And you can imagine, you know, with being married to the record company owner's sister. Um, so the, the, the kind of pressure that he's under and probably the limitations for what you can say to, you know, your boss. And, <laughs> and so, I, I mean, he's, he's, he's feeling kind of just just basically like upset that he can't record the kind of music he wants to do and he's got you know nearly a decade of yeah, professional got, recording experience in writing at this point in time he's got serious clout and it's the late 60s like there's a lot to sing about like there's a lot of stuff going on the country is going through lots and lots of changes you've got the beginnings of a of a, of a horrible war you know and and you've got you know uh the, the the summer of love was you know was over and like the hippie movement is starting to die down and you've got drugs and you, you know, it was this is this is the it's, time like this is this is like even now we look back on like music and rock and 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 popular music history like like this is when everything was starting to happen and Marvin Gaye is still like basically clocking in he like goes into Motown punches his card and they say sing this and he's like okay and he sings it and then it's a huge hit and like yeah that can be great and having that that success and that money and that clout can be amazing but it's also it, it's at this point in the game Marvin is very definitively admittedly um feeling very stifled by by his success with Motown so he's unhappy and then um things 
take take another dive in 1970. Uh, Tammy Terrell eventually dies. Marvin Gaye, he's you know depressed, upset, obviously distraught about what's going on at the record company. Um, you know, personally feeling this loss. Um, he he ends up in um, California where he sees this anti-war rally going on at Berkeley, um, and he sees kind of the the police brutality there, the police beating down these anti-war protesters, um, and that inspires him to write what's going on, which would um, end up being an album of the same name, um, very much getting into the the current issues and everything that. Um, was going on in the country at the time. He wants to make this album, and the record company basically doesn't want him to make an album like that. Um, they're afraid of getting too political. They're afraid of what that will do to the popularity of um, their record label and also to really Marvin Gaye is a, a, a commodity for, for the record label because here's this guy who's known for He's writing like these, these feel-good yeah. you know, feel songs that are about you know love and and happiness and suddenly here he is talking about like the world is pretty messed up right now and and i and i really need to talk about that with you guys yeah um he he writes the album records it the record company refuses to put it out so gay basically refuses to record anything else for the label talk about uh, like a power move like he's yeah. like listen like you you might own me like on, on paper and like contracts and stuff like that but if i don't work you guys are screwed <laughs> you know like so basically yeah so basically he he just refuses to to do anything so they eventually agree to to put it out album is huge yeah i mean, I mean just, like yeah. every everybody has heard what's going on Brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we So it ends up giving him the ability to renegotiate his contract with Motown Records um, for more creative control. So at the time, it was a contract for a million dollars, which was one of the biggest record deals, um, especially for a black recording artist yeah, huge. Um, at the time. So he gets the freedom to basically... Um, do whatever he wants. Um, so in the background of all this, he's still going through a lot of personal issues struggling with um, depression. Um, he also struggles with songwriting after um, what's going on, trying to figure out what, you know, you, you fought so long for, yeah, you, you know, yeah. to do what you want and suddenly you get it and you're like, okay, what am I, what do I <laughs> yeah. want to do? Oh shit. Now I actually yeah. have to like deliver. <laughs> um, so he's, he's still, you know, struggling with these things behind the scenes. Um, and in 1973, he records, let's get it on, um, which has a couple of hit tracks on it. Come get to this. Um, and the hit title track. So he's doing really well. Um, he does his first tour in about four years. The tour is successful. So basically things are going really well for him 
um, creatively and commercially. Um, so despite kind of what's going on, you know, in his personal life, his relationship with Annie Gordy around this time, they, they get separated. Um, there's all kinds of things going on where she's accusing him of infidelity. Um, he's got some drug issues. He's got some tax issues. So these, yeah, these things are kind of starting to mount up. But if you were just looking at the career of Marvin Gaye, you'd never kind of notice that these things were happening. Really? I mean, like, unlike most other artists, this has been a literal ascension from beginning to end. I mean, like, we're talking, like, he starts off small, session player, gets a little bigger, gets a little bigger, gets a little bigger, and just continues, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's no dip yet at all. And no matter what he does, yeah, it's it's, it's (laughs) like I put this out, it's a hit. (laughs) So um, he ends up... um, Recording an album, I Want You, another big hit, records a single, Gotta Give It Up, another big hit, and that was in 77. Um, And then we get to 1978 and Hear My Dear. And at this is the point where basically everything kind of starts to implode a little bit for him. Um, and definitely where his personal life really starts to intrude on his professional life. So we're going to talk a little bit more about, about Here My Dear in a minute, but but we're just going to kind of, because we're getting to the end of Marvin Gaye's life, so we're just going to sort of cap this off here. So he he records Here My Dear, and we're going to get into how that all came about in, in a minute. Um, and after he records Here My Dear, which is not a critical success, it's his first, basically his first failure, his first time releasing something that's not a huge critical and commercial success. Uh, he kind of retreats a little bit from the spotlight because of the, the problems and uh, releases uh, another album that's you know kind of okay but not really called in our lifetime and then uh comes back in 1982 with midnight love which has probably one of his most famous songs ever sexual healing After the success of Sexual Healing, which is probably his biggest single ever, uh, he is still dealing with some drug problems. He's still dealing with the fallout of his relationship with Anna Gordy, also with his newest relationship that he got into after he was with Anna Gordy um, and uh, has a bunch of problems and decides he's going to move back home uh, and stay some time with his parents and kind of like collect himself unbelievably remember Marvin's dad that we were talking about originally how Marvin you know uh, Marvin's dad was 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 brutal and violent and mean or whatever uh in in an argument that starts in the household Marvin's father ends up shooting him fatally uh during the argument and uh and that's it Marvin Gaye is dead his Marvin Gaye's own father kills him over a simple argument uh at the household and not only that, but his father later on facing, obviously, legal repercussions, um, come to find out that his father has this benign tumor in his brain. The tumor gets removed. The lawyers basically plead that this tumor was partly responsible for his actions. Um, and as they makes a plea deal and pleads no contest to voluntary manslaughter um, and ends up just serving probation for killing his own son. So, I mean, like, it's, it's just yeah. nuts. I mean, so, I mean, like, just, just, just to sort of give a quick recap here. I mean, I, 
we were talking about as we were as we were deciding like talking about what we were going to talk about the episode and everything like that like we could make an entire podcast just on Marvin Gaye's life I mean this guy has done so much for music so much for artistic credibility so much for the album format so much for the singles format so much for for black artists it's fashion like the guy was a fashion icon as well like I mean there's just so much we could talk about with Marvin Gaye and in the end his own father kills him like I mean you couldn't make this up like this yeah, is like, it is it is a tragedy beyond yeah, un- unbelievable belief. unbelievable but anyway we're gonna get we're gonna backtrack a little bit towards a little bit before marvin's death and talk more about his album here my dear we hope you're enjoying this episode of skipped on shuffle Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. So Here My Dear is a double album. It's super long for for that time. I mean, it's something like 70-something minutes. Um, and the entire album is basically dedicated to talking about his relationship and divorce from Anna Gordy. And as we mentioned in the beginning, it gets into pretty... Um, Specific, specific details about um, what was going on and what he was doing. Basically, I mean, everything from accusing her to being a liar to complaining about the, the amount of money she's taking from him um, to basically like criticizing their marriage vows and basically being like, you lied to God when you I, I all, mean, all it, in music, yeah, form. all in music form. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty heavy album to get into and i mean even the album art doesn't shy away from this um on the inside cover there's this monopoly board instead of monopoly it says judgment Mm -hmm. and has a man's hand handing over a record to a woman's hand in front of her is like a house and fancy car (laughs) and in front of him he has like his piano and and recording i mean it's not very subtle and i mean even in the title here my dear um so there's a lot of rumor behind um this album where uh People basically believe that Marvin Gaye purposely made an unsuccessful album so he would have to pay Anna Gordy less in in their divorce settlement. Um, That's actually not true. She did take a chunk of the money from the advance of the album, and she was promised more from the royalties of this album. But this is if this album didn't sell well, it would just come from royalties in from future recordings. Right. So basically, she was promised a set amount of money. So it. it But Marvin, Marvin, like we mentioned earlier, the tax problems or whatever. Like he was unable to just be like, okay, here's your money. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to take money from your future royalties. And so he's like, okay, well, so the next record that he makes is, you know, a huge portion of the royalties are going to go to Anna Gordy. So he has, he has an option. He was like, well, I can make a, 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 a an album that's going to be, you know, phoned in basically and, and intentionally tank it so that she can't get the money. But eventually he's going to have to give it to her anyway. So instead what he really did is he decided he was going to, 
put everything into it. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make the, the, the personal soulful direct and, and raw record that, that this, that this situation that he finds himself in deserves. Mm. So he basically puts his relationship out there in public and his kind of feeling is like, I'm, I'm feeling angry. I'm bitter about everything that's happened. Um, obviously frustrated by my financial situation, especially considering how just successful he's been. Um, I mean, he's also like frivolous with his fending and, you know, has, has other issues going on. Yeah. You, you think but, Michael Jackson overspent a lot? <laughs> Marvin Gaye, he, he was first. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he's, he's, he's angry and he's just going to put it all out there. And basically his feeling was like, I, I want her maybe to like, listen to this album, but, um, probably she'll never play it again. Like she'll be so angry at the things that I'm saying that she won't ever want to hear this album again. Um, so, I mean, he goes into it basically with just, uh, determined to make, yeah, a, a, a strong artistic statement, but also just to let out kind of all these emotions and feelings that he has about basically where his life is at right now and his, um, pretty long relationship with Anna Gordy. I used to hear a sparrow singing, baby. As I mentioned, this album is long, 70 minutes. Um, didn't really have any identifiable like hit singles. There's a funky space reincarnation, which, which is it, it's, it's a it's a it's, it's a as weird as it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a space sex song. It's, There's some it's, Star Wars references. It, 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 you, you just you, you just should probably listen. Um, so, so there's no real clear hit singles on this thing. And I mean, when you, when you put it on, if you were to just kind of shuffle through this album or, or it, it, it just every song kind of, they all kind of have the same sound, the same kind of like, there's just some kind of like funky groove. It sound, well, it sounds like a Marvin Gaye album. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. you, you, the first the first song that comes on, you're like, yeah, this has got that soulful, sexy, slinky R&B groove that you associate with with 70s era Marvin Gaye, especially with something like What's Going On or Let's Get It On or whatever. It's got that same similar sound because he's using the same players and he's, you know, obviously writing a lot of the material himself, um, either on his own or, or with a co-writer here and there. Um, but uh, uh, distinctively, he, this is one of the first times that he's writing his own lyrics. Most of the time, he still outsourced the lyrics. Even when he was writing his, his main material, when he was, you know, when he sort of took artistic control back, he was still like working with other people to write lyrics. But this one, the way he recorded it, at least according to the research that, that we did, is that he would go into the studio and record the music of the track and then go into the vocal booth and just sort of mumble. And he would just sort of like go like, you know, kind of like get the melody out. And then he would write lyrics around what he was trying to get across with his like mumbly vocal lines or whatever. So a lot of the tracks are um, 
less melody and almost like him directly speaking to the listener. Um, you know, there's, there's singing and, and harmonies and the stuff that you traditionally would expect from Marvin Gaye, but especially in the opening track, I mean, he just sounds like he's kind of just talking to you like, Hey, what's up? Here's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I, I think that's kind of what makes this album interesting is he kind of like does away with like, it's hard to identify verse and chorus yeah. and, and any of that. It's just kind of this one constant flow of music and just circling around again and again to, to, basically how he's feeling where um there's a bit of a progression in the in the album where it's like here's here's kind of the early years here's you know I, I i loved you so much and you loved me so much and kind of what happened to getting into like a little bit of like um bitter territory yeah like um, the, the, the 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 anger phase yeah. of, of of a breakup or the ending of a relationship where you're just like you know pissed off and like blaming a bunch of things on them and you're just ah you know it, it sort of gets there and then when we get to the track that we're covering today called sparrow we're towards the middle of the record which is starts to starts yeah to it starts to get to like a better accepting healing point that kind of carries through a little bit of the the rest of the album um, so it, it's kind of easy to get, it's easy for a lot of these songs to get lost in, in, in that. Yeah. Yeah. This song that we're covering today, Sparrow by Marvin Gaye off of Hear My Dear, um, in a way kind of references another song that Marvin Gaye recorded uh, in 1968, which is actually a gospel hymn uh, that was written in the early 1900s called His Eye is on the Sparrow. And that song is incredibly beautiful. Uh, it's 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 definitely a, a very religious hymn. There's lots of mentioning of Jesus. There's lots of like biblical analogies and and all that stuff. But uh, but it's 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 it represents uh, Marvin Gaye's passion. He was you know obviously raised in a minister household and was going to church at a very young age and singing in church. And so um, you can really feel Marvin's passion behind his you know behind his singing when 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 you hear his eyes on the sparrow. So Marvin recorded this song in 1968 and uh, and now we're, we're 10 years later with with this song Sparrow off of here my dear and um, it's it, it it's really difficult to say like you know what was actually going on because unfortunately Marvin is no longer with us and you know he didn't really mention this but but I feel and and Jason agrees is that you can't really neglect you, you can't it's too much of a coincidence that he had this song called his eyes on the sparrow. That was a big success and referenced a bunch of biblical stuff with, you know, with all that. And then he writes his own song called sparrow on this, this very, very personal breakup album. There's gotta be a relation there. So, so what I kind of think is, is I think that sparrow is, is sort of like the sequel to his eyes on the sparrow or maybe even Marvin's like own interpretation of, of that. So with, with his eyes on the sparrow, what, what, 
what the song is basically about as far as like its biblical and religious uh, application is uh, is that God is watching over all creatures, even the lowliest ones, even the sparrows, uh, you know, the, the lowly creatures of the earth. Um, if, if God is watching over those creatures, then... Um, then, uh, then of course God is watching over you. Like that's kind of the basic idea of, of this gospel tune. And so with this song, Sparrow coming in at this, you know, this, this devastating end of his relationship and, and this very turbulent time in his life, it kind of, I feel like there's no way that there's no connection there. It's interesting. The, the Sparrow reference coming back and, um, for an album that's, that has this, interesting split and I, I suppose it's probably something that that goes along with most relationships where it's like i don't want to hear about you again but also, yeah what are you doing <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i like i'm I, erasing like, all of our yeah. pictures from facebook but i'm still gonna stalk your facebook yeah. once in a while <laughs> and, and and that's almost kind of where this song um kind of comes from because he had said you know i i want to make this record where she won't want to listen to it because she'll be like just too upset and devastated about you know the the truth bombs I will be dropping <laughs> on this record. Um, but he also throughout this album makes all these kinds of appeals to to Anna and Sparrow, especially being one of them, where um, the argument could be made that basically Anna is the Sparrow in the song. Sing little Sparrow, sing, oh sing little Sparrow. There are a lot of lyrics to this song, but I, I, I mean, it would take a lot. It took a while to break it all down because there's there's a lot. But um, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out one specific stanza here that's that that kind of calls back to uh, uh, the the concept that that. Uh, Marvin, the, the sparrow that Marvin is mentioning in the song is in fact Anna Gordy and that the parallel between uh, this song Sparrow and the gospel song His Eyes on the Sparrow um, uh, you know it, that connection is made so so uh, here we have uh, sing to me of jealousy sing what that's all about sing it all out shout little sparrow sing me a song I want to know what's wrong little bird tell me and then sing Sparrow, because I want to know, you sweet, itty-bitty, pretty bird, sing before you go. Sing to me, Marvin Gaye, before you fly away. Never stop singing, Sparrow, till we hear your song. So, I mean, you know, if we, if we, if we extrapolate that the song is a reference to his eyes on the sparrow, at least indirectly, then I guess we can sort of interpolate that what he's saying is, is that maybe because... Anna now is so distant from him, you know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to use the term lowly creature, but the idea being that the, the original gospel song is about God, you know, uh, paying attention to all creatures on the earth and thus paying attention to you. Um, I can, I'm sort of seeing that it's like, okay, Anna Gordy is away. She's gone. She's, she's not with Marvin anymore. And at the beginning of the album, he's really upset about it. But now with this song, I believe he's sort of coming to terms with the idea of, okay, okay, she's gone, but I still want her to be 
powerful. I still want her to sing her song. I still want her to be her own person and, and be happy and proud and, and one with the universe and God and all that stuff. Um, I I just know that she's not going to be doing it with me anymore, but he still wants her to sort of like connect with him. And that's why he says in the line, you know, uh, you know, sing to me, Marvin Gaye specifically, he actually drops his name in the song. He's like, sing to me, Marvin Gaye. Like, I feel like that's just basically him being like, go do your thing, but just keep me you know, keep me in your thoughts. Like, don't forget what we had, basically. Yeah. And I think there's um, a lot in this song, too, about Marvin also kind of being thankful for things that have been imparted to him. Because um, there's, there's a couple lines here where um, he says, sing to me about man's inhumanity and all the injustice you see, where those are themes that he picked up in very heavily in what's going on. Um, and I, I feel like possibly thanking her for making him kind of more aware of yeah. um, the, these things going on in the world. I mean, obviously you're, you're in a relationship and people yeah. introduce you to new ideas and new things. And I feel like him putting that in there is basically like possibly him saying you changed my complete, you know, musical outlook. Like, sure. I'm, you know, it, it was things that I was seeing, but you know, you, you are the person who helped me articulate that. Um, probably not only through, you know, conversation and sharing ideas, but also the fact that like, I'm, you know, at this record company able to, you know, have access to recording equipment and distribution to get my message out there. Um, so I, I feel like that's also a little bit of the, the Sparrow singing as well, where basically, you know, by myself, I might not be, have, have been able to accomplish all that I've accomplished and been able to be out there singing and, and getting my message out there. So this album comes out in 1978. Anna Gordy is not at all happy to hear some of the things that Marvin Gaye really has strange. to say. That's really strange. I would think she'd be so overjoyed to hear this this direct call out of her that's being sold to millions of people. <laughs> so um, it, it's kind of interesting that as uh, time went on that um, they kind of developed a, a friendship once again. Um, so as, uh, when Marvin Gaye released his, uh, 1982 album, Midnight Love, that's the album with sexual healing on it. Um, he got a lot of, um, commercial and critical acclaim for that. I mean, this is, this is where his first Grammys come from yeah. is at the end of his career. Um, and so she uh, would accompany him to like these events and, and industry stuff going on, um, as he was trying to, to, uh, probably to, partly to prove like I have my life back together. Cause I know a few years ago I wrote this album about this woman, but here she is right next to me and, and things are fine now yeah. you know, with us. And I'm sure that probably helped send, you know, a message about like, I have my life in order now. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, you know, uh, Marvin Gaye, you know, creating this album, that's a very direct, uh, basically like a letter written to, to his, to his soon to be ex-wife and uh, and how how uh, scary that might be for for somebody in Anna Gordy's position to to listen to you know and to feel like okay I'm gonna get a direct you know a uh, a direct connection with Marvin's heart in this situation that we're that we're stuck in and is you know do I want to do I want to hear that like do I want that connection or do I want to push that away because I'm not ready for it and uh and in, in in a way like when you listen to this album you can you like we said it kind of goes like for a roller coaster ride like you know he's angry he's he's pissed off he's ah, you know whatever and then he started to get a little bit more reflective and a little bit more passionate about about their relationship and happy about like the things that they did have that were good um and and I think that in a way uh 
it might be that Anna Gordy listened to this record when she finally sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to check this out and see what he has to say. She might've been happy. She might've been like, wow, like these are a lot of, he's saying a lot of things here that I wish he had said to me directly, you know, when we were, when we were going through the problems, um, we, I, you know, I don't know this for certain, you know, this is something that we're just kind of extrapolating here, but I get a feeling that because like what you mentioned, because they had this friendship that kind of lasted after this record was released. Um, I feel like there was, there was no doubt some sort of reconciliation involving this record where she listened to it and was like, I, I understand what he was trying to say here. Yeah, and I think you can even get that in a sense of um, kind of the the central message. So there's um, a song that appears in a few in a, a few times over the course of this album, which is "When did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you?" Um, which I feel like is one of those mutually accepting, like clearly something happened, and you know you stopped putting everything into this relationship, and and so did I, and I I think you know, that's probably one of the reasons for that reconciliation is it's, you know, this isn't an album that's entirely, while Marvin doesn't get into specifics of like what was going on, um, on his end of things. I mean, there, there's, I mean, he's, you know, married and this other woman is pregnant with his child. I mean, there's, 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 something there's, there's stuff for Anna to be angry about. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, it, it I, I feel like that is a kind of, you know, reconciling message where it's just like, we we clearly something happened and I, I've changed and you've changed and this this kind of thing happens and despite kind of I, I guess you could say it's kind of a, a childish thing to like I'm gonna record this album and just complain about it um, but, but I do feel like yeah over the course of the record um, it, it gets kinder I think and and yeah I feel like kind of having that message coming around and around again like you stopped loving me and I stopped loving you and we're both you know equally responsible your song I've been a big Mar Marvin Gaye fan for, for, you know, for a long time. Um, but this is the first time I've actually like really, really listened to this record in particular. I, I feel like I kind of missed out on this record because I, 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 I think I heard the negative connotations to the record because I, when, when this album came out, it was a critical and commercial disaster. I mean, it, 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 it came out after, you know, a string of huge, huge hits for Marvin Gaye. And then after this album came out, he had, he had a bunch more hits. So it's like, I feel like this album kind of just like got skipped on shuffle for me personally. And uh, so when we were planning to do this record, you know, planning to do this episode, I started to listen to this record a lot more and it is amazing. It is an amazing record. It's, it's dense. It's hard to listen to. It's hard to get through all the way because it's like just so much going on. And a lot of the songs start to kind of bleed into each other. And um, yeah, and it's tough to, it's tough lyrical themes. Like it's tough stuff to get through. But for me, I really like the idea of, of musicians, um, of, of, of getting really personal and, and reflecting on who they are as people, uh, in, in very direct ways. I have a lot of respect for that. And I think that the connection between this song and his eyes on the sparrow, um, furthers that for me. And I feel like, like 
I mean, I, I know we, we talked a bit about this with with uh, with a previous episode we did about David Bowie. Um, I, artists referencing themselves, referencing their careers, making that connection. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's like an inside thing. You know, I feel like it's like we're getting a glimpse into something deeper than just like a pop song, you know? And I think that that's why I, I, I really like this track and I'm glad that we, we decided to talk about it because it really, you know, goes under the surface of, of who Marvin Gaye is. It's not just like, hey, baby, let's get it on. Isn't this? song sexy and it's not like oh i love you unconditionally there ain't no mountain high enough you know like it's not so broad and applicable and easy to digest it's 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 much harder and you kind of got to know it's like a nerdy thing it's like you got to like know the it's like it's like I, I, the only thing I can really compare it to is like comic book movies. It's like, you know, you go to the movie theater and you see the movie and they make a reference to something that you know because you read the original comics and you're like, ah, I know that, you know, like I think that that kind of connection is really cool and I love it when musicians do that. And uh, this song made me happy because I was like, oh, like he's making these references to these things that I know about and he's going way, way deeper than most musicians would be willing to go. Um, and that really draws me to this track. And I think that uh, it's a shame that people are kind of going to miss out on this, but but at the same time, it is kind of understandable if people do skip this one because it's a lot. Like, there's a lot going on here. And it's not the kind of record you put on and just like, hey, baby, let's get it on it's like oh no this is this this is this is pretty deep maybe we should skip this one <laughs> for me i came to this album in kind of a weird way um i i had been a marvin gay fan and had like the 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 bigger albums what's going on let's get it on uh midnight love i want you so so i i, I had a good amount of his stuff and for some reason i hadn't listened to this one and there was um an interview with scott wyland from stonewall pilots where he mentions um, the the second track on this album, I Met a Little Girl, um, which is a song where Marvin kind of talks about meeting Anna Gordy and kind of going through, um, kind of summarizing the history of their relationship. Um, and he had mentioned that song, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, I should look that up. And that was kind of what led me down the path to, to listen to this album. Um, and yeah, I mean, this, this album, it's a, a tough listen. And a lot of that, too, is um, something I really like when I listen to, to music is I love when artists try something different, even if it's, you know, not not guaranteed success, like just when they try something. And, and for this album where it's he's not only trying to put together this story of uh, his relationship with Anna and how things fell apart. Um, but there's also a lot in here of different musical styles trying to come in, um, which is something um, that Marvin Gaye does very well. But this also gets into um, kind of a, a lot of like weird jazz stuff. Um, so when you listen to especially the song Sparrow, um, you could just hear these, you know, horn parts, saxophone and stuff just cutting through the song where uh, on the one hand, if you were to, to take out the lyrics, you'd be like, oh, this is some, you know, crazy, cool jazz track. Um, but with the lyrics in there, it just ends up um, being kind of a, a weird experiment of the sparrow kind of also being this instrument and just kind of, you know, the, the instrument just needs to do what it needs to do. And I feel like for this track, that's that's kind of what Marvin's telling us, where it's like, I, I just need to do this. I just need to get this off my chest. I just need to say these things. Um, and yeah, I think there is something pretty admirable about not only um, musicians getting getting personal, but also kind of expressing themselves through 
different instruments. So I feel like when you listen to this track, and and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I mean, listen to those horn parts that just sound basically like Marvin Gaye, just kind of screaming out, trying to find his song, trying to find the melody, um, trying to figure out you know what what he wants to say and how he wants to say it and 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 I think especially for this album he's like I'm not I'm not sure and that's fine and I'm just going to try to to say what I want um through different different instruments you know it's it's not just about the vocals on this album um which I think is really important when you sit back and listen to it um so yeah I I I Obviously, I, I highly recommend this track, but yeah, listen to just, I guess, the the emotion of those horn parts and, and kind of try to to put yourself in, in Marvin Gaye's position where it's like, okay, I, I have all this success, but I'm struggling with all these things that people don't even realize. And I feel like, you know, there are these really great moments on this album where he kind of just like spills his guts, you know, about it. Um, so I think that's another thing that makes this album kind of like a, a tough listen. It's kind of like when you're sitting down talking to a friend and like something devastating has happened and it, it kind of ends up being the same thing where it's just this like torrent of stories and sometimes the, the person's repeating themselves or, you know, they're, they're not able to, to tell it in a kind of cohesive way. And I think that's kind of what this, this album ends up um sounding like in in some ways and so i think that's really reflected in in those horn parts in the song and i think that's what makes it such a good skipped on shuffle thank you for listening to this episode of skipped on shuffle be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media facebook twitter instagram and also a youtube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Uh, any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.